This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Coming off a bye, only did one podcast on the bye. Uh, Hopefully everyone enjoyed a fun weekend of college football. I know I enjoyed watching it. Uh, Plenty of good games to take in on Saturday. But we are back at our regular schedule now that Miami has their seven-week, seven-game ACC stretch ahead of them, uh, starting with North Carolina. So we will... Get into that, some of the news, notes, tidbits to come out of Monday's availabilities with Manny Diaz and assistants. Um, so let's just start there. Let's let's talk about the big news, I guess. Officially, Gabby, Derek King is out for the year. The shoulder injury he sustained against Michigan State and gutted out by playing through it uh, and, and honestly played pretty well most of the time through it um turns out it it needs surgery to get fixed get corrected i think they were playing a little bit of a waiting game to see if maybe the rehab option and strengthening it was possible it's not and in addition to miami starting the year out at two and three this is just me talking but like what's the point of Derek? you know, coming back to this team mm-hmm. right now, unfortunately, not saying Derek that that's played into the equation at all for Derek. He would definitely love to play. Um, but I think if we're just being real and, and taking everything into account, it's hard, you know, it would be a hard sell to be like, Hey, come back and play for this team, you know, potentially injure your shoulder further, uh, without surgery, etc. But he's getting the surgery this week. Manny Diaz said he will, he said he expects him to be in Chapel Hill, you know, helping Tyler Van Dyke from the sideline, et cetera, in his first road start. Um, so, I, you know, I just want to start this, Gabby, by saying thank you to Derek for transferring to Miami. Um, you know, 2020 was not a fun year for anyone. And, but, but I do think it's fair to say watching Derek King play week in, week out was fun. Um, he's the best dual threat quarterback we've ever seen at Miami. And he alone, I would argue, he alone turned a six and seven dumpster fire in 2019 into a respectable, you know, pretty good eight and three team. So I just want to start there. What are your thoughts, Gabby, when, when you heard the news that Derek was officially shelved for the year. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess just because of like the speculation and stuff, it was just kind of just like a confirmation. Um, you know, honestly, it was just really disappointing, sad. 
Uh, you know, like you said, David, like, I mean, I feel like what he, they just like the spark he was able to bring, um, you know, just that sense of excitement that he sort of helped generate around the program, you know, going into that 2020 season, um, you know, just kind of attacking that. And then obviously like the off season story of just knowing how, you know, tenaciously he was sort of attacking that rehab, um, you know, just kind of all the great characteristics that he sort of displayed throughout his career, um, you know, all those things matter. Uh, I thought, I think he was a big part of just changing the culture of Miami's quarterback room, which I think yes. was down for a long time. Um, you know, so I think, you know, I applaud De'Aaron King for all those things. Um, it, it sucks to sort of see him go out like that. Um, just to know that this is how his UM career is most likely going to end. Um, it's, it's, it's sad, but, um, you know, again, I thought he brought a lot of good things to Miami both on and off the field. And, you know, absolutely wishing him the best. Uh, you know, we just kind of, kind of, got to see how it goes. Uh, that's kind of how life goes. You kind of got to play the, the the hand that you're dealt. And uh, you know, this is one of those situations that, you know, hopefully from the sideline he can make an impact and you know, elevating Tyler Van Dyke and uh, you know, just continuing to be there to groom those guys as you know they play out the rest of the year. Yeah, I think you touched on the main thing in terms of a legacy with Derek that he will leave at Miami. And it's definitely going to be the impact he made on the quarterback room. It had been a room that had been immature and uh, didn't exhibit the type of extra work ethic that's needed to really be successful at the college level as a starter. Derek King came in and changed that, showed Tyler Van Dyke uh, how to conduct himself as a starting quarterback. And Tyler is a very serious guy. He takes things, you know, he, he works hard at it, studies, et cetera. So Derek has, and that was the case, I think, before he met Derek, but Derek definitely, uh, you know, reinforced that with the way he went about his business. And also too, Gabby, I think it's fair to say, I don't think Miami lands Jake Garcia if Derek King is not the quarterback at Miami. I don't think, Miami goes eight and three, which was good enough to land a Jake Garcia type of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, again, thank you, Derek King. I guess, what do you think, what, what does this mean for Miami moving forward in ACC play? I think, I think you and I would both agree that Derek is better than Tyler Van Dyke right now. Um what does this mean? I mean, uh, I, when I look back at last year's ACC games, right, there was, at the end of the day, you know, Miami went eight and three, but there was a lot of toss-up games, one-score games or, or barely two-score games that were tight, and it was De'Aaron King that yeah. was kind of ultimately the difference, right? You look at Pittsburgh, that was a 31-19 to 19 win, um, and I would argue the difference in that game was the two easy, wide-open touchdown passes King created as a running threat, which sucked the defense up and allowed for wide-open, easy touchdown passes to Will Mallory and Cam Harris. Um, in a nineteen fourteen win over Virginia last year, King threw for 322 yards and one touchdown. Of course, that NC State game, 430 yards passing, five TDs passing, ran for 105, and a dramatic comeback win. And then Virginia Tech, you know, was it necessarily King at his best? 
but he fought his way through it. Yeah. Uh, threw for 255 yards and one touchdown, had a rushing touchdown, I believe. And, and remember the context of that game. Miami was barely able to play that game due to COVID mm-hmm. and contact tracing from that COVID, but they pulled mm-hmm. out a 25, 24 win over Virginia tech. So, you know, last year they needed King to push them, uh, to win these one score or tight ACC games. So with that context, what do we expect moving forward now with Tyler Van Dyke? Yeah. I mean, in that way, I mean, I'm not feeling too good about it. Cause yeah, I mean, it feels like the King did play savior a lot um, in 2020. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think there's absolutely going to be growing pains. Um, I feel yeah. like we saw a lot of it against Virginia. Um, you know, that first half was just like, not good. I mean, you're talking like, 40 something total yards midway almost almost through the entire first half um so you know i do expect those sort of hiccups and stuff like that uh i i would expect at some point for him to sort of find his footing and you know maybe just find a kind of just like settle into maybe who he's going to be again like not i don't want to compare his situation to anyone else's situation i know everything's different but like you look at like what, what texas a&m sort of had to deal with with zach calzada you know, um, their quarterback goes down. Hayes King, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Zach Calzada comes in as a, as a young guy that hasn't played a lot, you know, struggles in a couple losses, you know, doesn't really, you know, kind of comes in and just really just isn't able to figure it out for a couple for a couple weeks. And then, look, I mean, in a big-time game in, you know, yeah. hosting Alabama, he sort of comes into his own. And, you know, he's strung together a couple good weeks of practice. If you hear Jimbo Fisher talking and, you know, he finally really put it all together – um, in the Alabama game and, you know, was excellent. He was really excellent in that win over the top ranked team in the country and the reigning national champs. So again, not saying that Tyler Van Dyke is going to have that huge game or anything like that, but, you know, I would expect for him to, you know, for him to have struggled in that Virginia game, maybe, you know, still be looking to maybe find out who he is within these next couple of games. And maybe you get Pitt or you get into, you know, November Florida state. And, you know, I could see Tyler Van Dyke maybe, elevating his play to you know finally settling in just feeling comfortable in who he is i mean but i'm not expecting much um, just based on the, how the rest of the team looks uh, miami doesn't have right. a defense anything close to what texas a&m has or just a roster in general so um just you know just just like you know i think it i think there's going to be growing pains for sure but, i think um, you and i both like tyler van dyke right yeah yeah he can he has the ability to win plenty of games as your starting quarterback but I think you and I would both agree that in order for him to be successful, he needs consistent play around him, right? Because he's kind of just a, a ball distributor type of quarterback. Um, and, and to me, that's why he was able to find a rhythm against Virginia. I think the offensive line played better. I think that also allowed the run game to get going. Um, and then on top of that, we did see Tyler make his own plays, um, once Virginia had to account for other threats on the offense. Um, last year, it kind of had to be the Derek King show. I think the hope was that this year with Derek returning, that the pieces around him would be better. Unfortunately, that didn't really happen through those three games that he was healthy. Um, but the season is long guys are allowed to improve as the season progresses and, and we'll see if, if this, you know, the other pieces around Tyler Van Dyke can help him yeah. uh, settle into this starting quarterback role. 
Let's move on to the other big news of Monday. This is bad news. Um, comes from the recruiting side of things. Four-star cornerback Trequan Figgins, who hails from the state of Alabama, announced on Monday afternoon that he would be decommitting from Miami. Um, I believe he was Miami's top-rated corner he, or yeah. top-rated commit. He was a top 100 player in the country, four-star guy. Um, so that news gives Miami eight commitments, and they are now ranked. I just threw up in my mouth number. 59 overall in the country in the month of October. Uh, Gabby, help me. What, <laughs> what's going on here, bro? I, w- bro? I, I wish I could help you, man. Um, I mean, this is, this is what happens when, you know, I feel like, I mean, David, I mean, we saw over the summer, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. We saw over the summer. I mean, they were really betting on a big year, right? You know, they thought yeah. that they can go into this, this season with, their nine commits and that, you know, they were going to give Alabama a fight. And if not, they were going to get it rolling, uh, you know, against Appalachian state and sort of, you know, from that point on just feel really good about where they were going to be. And I mean, that just, I mean, obviously that hasn't been the case. They're sitting at two and three uh, with losses to Michigan state, Alabama, and Virginia. Um, Your only true win has, has been a two point win over a group of five opponent in Appalachian state, you know, a respectable one, but, Still, it is what it is. Um, do you, you know, think? Do you think Miami was surprised by this decommitment? Yeah, I think they were. Um, you know, wait. Wow, I just have something in my throat. Um, I think they absolutely were uh, surprised by it. You know, they had felt that you know he was solid. That uh, you know everything he was sort of telling them the right things. Um, you know, people around him, he'd been saying the right things to people with knowledge, just like that, just are connected to the recruitment, um, were caught off guard by this. Um, you know, everyone sort of felt like he was the guy that he understood he had a chance to come in here and play early. Uh, you right. know, just given Miami's cornerback situation, it felt like he was in line to be a, a very impactful player from basically the time that he got on campus. So, you know, yeah, I think it absolutely caught some people uh, by surprise. Is it fair to say, like, in my opinion, he was probably Miami's best cornerback commit. And I did expect him to play right away as a true freshman. Um, would you agree with those statements? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, he's, he had put, he's put together a really, really good senior year over at Thompson. He plays on, like, the number four, the number four ranked team in the country. Um, a lot of dudes, he's sort of playing around, but he's elevated. You know, a lot of people will sort of just, like, they'll – start to blend in when they sort of make that jump to be a part of a bigger program like that. He's just gotten better. Um, You know, so I would, I would say he was probably the best overall player in Miami's class. Like I'm not even just at cornerback. I know that's a loaded group, but I thought that Traquan Fegans overall had probably one of the highest ceilings of anyone that Miami had in, in, in that, you know, very small uh, class of 2022. So yeah, man, uh, I thought he was an impact guy. I thought we were going to start seeing him running with the ones in the spring once he enrolled early. Uh, I thought by the time, you know, fall came around, I thought Traquan Fegans would have been one of Miami's starting corners, if not, you know, regularly in the rotation, like we've seen a lot of with, with a lot of these young defensive guys. There's still information to be gathered, but do we think maybe, cause he is from the state of Alabama, he's having a good senior season. Do we think Alabama might have a spot open for him or, or do we just think, 
you know, the SEC in general has been talking to him and he's going to explore all his options. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, just based off the, the information that we've just been able to get, just I would assume that Alabama is starting to tell him things that maybe he likes um, that maybe weren't the case over the summer. Uh, now that he's played some some football as a senior and again, having a really great year. Uh, I think, I mean, if I were betting right now, um, you know, I think Alabama would probably be the team to watch. I'm sure there are others that are coming after him, but again, just him being from that state and uh, you know, pro- probably growing up, always wanting to play for Alabama. If, if he gets that opportunity, that was always going to be a concern. I feel like Miami could have yeah. had a really good season. And, you know, if Alabama really decided to, to legitimately push, um, you know, that was going to be, that was going to be a problem. That was going to be a fight. Miami was always going to have to have. So um, again, not, not saying he's, going to Bama right now or anything like that, but it just feels like that might be a part of the reason why. And again, other schools, I'm sure he's hearing from. Who, who's next to know uh, at the cornerback board that Miami will look to hopefully replace Traquan with? Yeah. I mean, I think the first guy you need to sort of turn to is Jakari Henderson. The one of the two Henderson twins over at Sanford Seminole. Uh, They dropped the top three. Earlier this month, uh, it sounds like, you know, based on what Andrew Ivins has reported, that a decision can come, you know, by the end of this month. Uh, it feels like Miami and UCF are the two that are standing out. Um, really, honestly, Miami's in a true recruiting battle with UCF for this one. And, and uh, you know, UCF is not far from their school. Their best friend, Cam Moore, linebacker at Seminole, he's going to UCF. So, you know, that is an attractive option for them. So, I mean, Jakari Henderson's probably the name that you need to know. Uh, you know, Jaheim Singletary, again, I, I don't know how attractive Miami sort of seems to him after the way this fall sort of gone. But, you know, Travaris Robinson went out to go see him uh, already this year. And uh, I know that that's still someone that they're just going to try to get at some point, um, you know, or at least try. I mean, again, who knows how that even looks at that point at this point. But I think those are probably the two um, biggest names to know right now. Maybe they expand the board a little bit, especially if let's say the Hendersons decide that they want to go to UCF. But um, as of right now, I think those are probably the two that you're going to want to know if you're a Miami fan. How worried are you that others might decommit now too? And who would you have your eye on? You've talked about Chris Graves in the past. Yeah. Has your concerns since talking about that uh, grown or lessened? Yeah, um, honestly, it might it might grow a little bit. And um, only based on the fact that I've heard okay things about Chris Graves, like, you know, in terms of just like the plan, he said that he wants to officially visit other schools. Um, You know, I was told that mom is all in on Miami, uh, that she might she's probably not even going to accompany him on any trips that he does take. But again, I was hearing all the right things about Traquan Fegans, too. And then this sort of just was sort of like the bombshell that was dropped. So, you know, depth, I would, I just feel like in general, um, you know, sometimes all it takes is one for another guy to feel like the confidence. Okay. Like if this is something that I wanted to do too, or I've been thinking about, uh, you know, I probably feel a little, a little more confident, like moving forward with that. Um, so I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not feeling better about the class in general. Um, I'm not feeling any better about Chris Graves. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if there's anyone in particular where I'm like, yeah, I'm like really have my eye on this guy outside of Graves. But, um, you know, if things don't change up quickly, like, let's say, I mean, if things go poorly on Saturday, um, you know, it's just going right. to keep trending downward. I mean, it's going to be hard to assume that Miami keeps us all together if, um, if, you know, they just, if they just don't get it done. 
And Chris Graves, four-star corner, maybe had the most has the most upside of, of all their commits mm-hmm. if you were including uh, Fegans. Um, so he would be another big loss at a key position of need for Miami if he did decide to decommit. Um, so recruiting, you know, we're at that we're at that phase, right, Gabby? Um, On field results and recruiting success, you know, at the elite level are definitely tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think this means for the Manny Diaz era, right? Because it has not been long since he was uh, pounding the table to get more time to recruit. Um, what does this mean? You know, it's only one decommitment, um, but it's a big one. Um, what does this mean? I mean, David, you, you, you said it, man. This is a, result, a results-based business, right? Like you have the number 59 overall class and you're just about two months away from early signing day. Um, your team is not showing any signs that things are going to get better. Um, you only have eight commits. Again, you're, you're, you're pounding the table about recruiting, but it's not like, it's not like there's a lot to, you the know, targets. It's not looking good with the guys who not, aren't you're not, committed. Exactly. You're not like feeling super good. Like, Oh, you're most likely going to land guy a, B and C, you know, you're the questions. Now it's like the guys that you maybe felt good about before, you're probably not feeling so good about anymore, or just like you're, or you're more worried than you probably already were. It's just like, you know, I get the that you are pounding the table about recruiting, but if you're going to pound the table about recruiting, I think you need to have a product to show, look at what we're bringing in. And even before the Traquan Fegans decommitment, you're still looking at, look at what we're bringing in and you're showing on paper the number 44 ranked class. You know, it's just, to me, it's just, I, I think it's, it's tough, Dave. I mean, with all this, you know, everything that people, you know, obviously with just the way that things are going with, you know, all the things that we've talked about on here, when the trajectory is trending the way that it is right now, yeah. and you have the number 59 class and you're talking about recruiting, it just feels like too many things are off right now. Too many things are misaligned. And uh, to me, it just generally just doesn't bode well. Like, I just feel like it's, it's going to be tough for, it's going to be very, very tough for everything to get turned around. Maybe the way that, that he would hope in a way that would like. Give people yeah. just a reason to feel optimistic, you know? Right. To build on your point, you know, it's it's never a good sign when, you know, and I'm talking in the season. Like, I think spring decommitments are kind of whatever. Yeah. But when you're in the season and you're, you're dealing with a decommitment like Fegans, you know, hopefully not, but maybe more coming, it's not a good sign. It Basically, recruits are telling us, you know, actions are, are louder than words. They're telling us they don't believe in the direction and leadership of the program right now, right? Mm-hmm. And that's based on the results of, of a two and three start. Um, and I will say this, like in the past, you know, this recent run of, of Miami coaches, whether that's Randy Shannon, Al Golden, uh, you know, Mark Richt doesn't count here, but those two guys in particular, um, they were able to have, you know, they, they gradually built up their programs in year three and year four, things fell off. Recruiting fell off then too. And that's kind of when Miami made a move with Randy, they gave Al another year, I think mainly because of the Nevin Shapiro stuff, but still the results on the field and the recruiting did not pick up 
that year either for Al Golden and Miami decided to move on. So we are in year three now of Manny Diaz. The results on the field aren't there, which is going to only make it much harder to recruit your way out of this. Manny is, is right when he says the only way to end this cycle of mediocrity is to recruit your way out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, he is stuck in this uh, poor results on the field mess, and it's only going to make recruiting elite players nearly impossible. So we'll see um, You know, if results on the field change. I think recruiting can pick up. Uh, but we will see how things look Saturday against North Carolina, which brings us to our next, I don't know. I don't know how we, I don't know if you view this as negative or positive. It's kind of like a Rorschach, uh, the, the infamous now bi-week fight uh, in practice, right? Yeah. So let's just have a conversation about what's our take on this situation. Um, and let's just start here. Bi-week fights. Number one, I don't think they're like fighting in general and practices, I don't think is all that uncommon. I think that it's, it's of course, very common in camp. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily uncommon during the season either. Um, but I do think it's notable when you are a two and three team, because I don't think, you know, the article, this is an article from Barry Jackson, uh, where clearly someone wanted to leak out that this or get in front of it right by leaking out that this is a positive thing um now you can let's just start there gabby do you think it's a positive thing that like because the article was framed as you know uh they're working out their issue in them and stuff right they're still fighting through the season etc etc do you buy into that or do you not I, I mean, I, I can. And uh, I think it's because, I mean, I have just a situation in life where I feel like I can sort of relate. Um, I played on a good baseball team my senior year. We went to, we were played in the state final four. Um, right before our district championship, we were playing, we were going to play our biggest rival, which was Westminster Christian, who was loaded at the time. And literally the day before our district championship, like there was just two guys on our team just didn't get along. Never did. To this day, they don't. But, you know, they just sort of went at it, you know, they just kind of had it out like they it was it was very intense, like it was it was a real intense thing. A few other people ended up getting involved, Uh, you know, coaches involved a lot. I mean, really, it was it was a mess. Um, But, you know, that was a situation that was was sort of something that was sort of like bubbling up to that point. And once it just finally happened and erupted, like there was conversations that were able to like that were had that we had to sort of have within the team about like how we wanted this to like impact us and stuff like that. But really a lot of really just a lot of like pent up aggression sort of just got out there. Um, you know, a lot of, it was just like one of those weird situations that we ended up, we, we won districts. We beat, we beat the same team in the regionals to eliminate them. And we ended up, you know, going to us, we ended up almost playing for a state title. Um, you know, so I get how sometimes that's something that just needs to happen because there's something there and that something needs to just be let out and um, you know, how it can potentially help. Um, you know, just sort of ease some tensions that are, that were maybe building. 
Um, again, I don't know the exact situation. I, I can only speak of that. That was the first thing I thought of when I heard that there was a fight there. I was just like, all right, like, I mean, I've sort of lived this in a way and I'm on a much smaller scale, but, um, you know, I, I could see it as positive. Um, again, I think every situation is different, but, um, I could see if really it is the way that they sort of painted it. I, I, I can absolutely see how that can be a positive. I think it could also be a negative, um, you know, especially if it's between like, you know, the if it's older veteran guys and stuff like that. And, you know, there's just some things there, but, you know, I could see both ways. Uh, I'm hoping it is a positive and I definitely see uh, the avenue for that. Yeah, I, I find it interesting from the standpoint of what was the need to leak this, right? Yeah. Uh, that's where I come from with this. And I just find it, I mean, it's been widely reported and everything I've heard behind the scenes too, is that, you know, Manny Diaz will get the chance to coach through this season, kind of no matter what, unless it looks like he has lost the locker room, right? So getting out in front of this and spinning it as a positive thing rather than letting it fester and morph into something that snowballs in, in you know, message board madness. Mm -hmm. um, Cause those rumors do get out. Um, I just find it interesting from that standpoint that rather than let it be viewed as something, uh, you know, where the locker room is fracturing uh, the people inside the program made a point to leak it out that, Hey, this was a good thing. This was a growing pains moment for this team and they're ready to go moving forward at the end of the day the only thing that matters here is the results do they win or lose um i don't think any of this matters in terms of wins and loss i don't if they go out and win against north carolina i don't think it's because they had a fight in the bye week if they yeah. go out and lose i don't think it's because they had a fight in the bye week. yeah um so that's where I come from with it. I thought it was interesting that people inside the program needed to leak this information out. Take with that what you may. Um, but let's take a break here, Gabby. And then on the other side, we'll, we'll jump into some tidbits from the press conference and uh, give our early thoughts on North Carolina. All right, we are back. The main thing I, th I think we can take away from the press conference, Gabby, is just injury news, right? The bye week was a time for Miami to rest up, heal up um, some injuries. And also we learned of some guys that are out for the year outside of Derek King. Uh, center Corey Gaynor out for the year with a knee issue, I guess. I guess he tried to play through it a little bit. They looked at it and I guess it required serious surgery. So he is out for the season. Outblades Jr., cornerback. He's been kind of a reserve cornerback this year, but he's started games in the past. He is out for the year with a sports hernia. So hopefully those guys, you know, have a safe, healthy recovery. Um, get back at it whenever they are cleared to do so. On the flip side, Miami will get a bunch of guys back that were either out against Virginia or for a longer period of time. Linebacker Keontre Smith will be back. Um, he sustained a knee injury against App State. Um, Manny, when that 
when that injury happened, Manny Diaz said he hoped to have him back for the North Carolina game. Sounds like that will be the case. Um, Jared Harrison Hunt and Jordan Miller, the two defensive tackles, uh, were out against Virginia. They are good to go against North Carolina. Tyreek Stevenson sustained an injury in the first half just before halftime, knocked him out the rest of the game. I, Manny Diaz says he's good to go. And Amari Carter, striker, missed the Virginia and Central Connecticut State games. Uh, he is good to go. So a lot of key players uh, on defense coming back, Gabby. I guess just first of all, let's start with Corey Gaynor, what that means for the offensive line. Ja'Kai Clark has been the starter there at center the last two games. Ultimately, what does this mean, do you think, for this offense? Yeah, um, you know, obviously, I mean, I feel like they considered Corey Gaynor just one of like the, the leaders of the unit. So, um, you know, I think that in, from that standpoint, I think that hurts uh, to not have a guy on the field that's obviously played a lot of football. Um, I think, you know, everyone's been pretty open about the fact that they viewed Chikai Clark as the center of the future. Um, so, I mean, is this like, again, not saying I'm happy Corey Gaynor got hurt or anything like that, but I mean, Chikai Clark getting in there and getting these reps, I think are value is, is valuable for him and, and all that stuff. So, you know, I think it's a, a loss from a, a leadership standpoint, but I mean, Miami basically going youth movement, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I, I think Ja'Kai Clark is a guy that they're going to need to to have moving forward, a guy that they're going to need to be a part of the offense moving forward. So getting him in there and, uh, you know, obviously unfortunate, you probably don't get that red shirt, so you can't have him for longer. But, um, you know, good to have him in there so that you can start building that up so that you know whether or not you really have your guy, if, if he is the guy that you kind of hope that he's going to be for you in the future. In terms of, like, execution with the starting group, I'm not sure it'll be a drop-off, right, yeah. from Corey Gaynor to Ja'Kai Clark. Hurts the depth, of course, losing, you know, any starting offensive lineman. But I think Ja'Kai Clark is definitely a, a capable starting center. He was pretty good against Virginia. So we'll see if he can build on that against North Carolina. Uh, on the defensive side, Keontre Smith, how intrigued are you by his return? Yeah, I mean, he was, again, I mean, a starter from the beginning of the year, a guy that sort of worked his way into that will linebacker role. Uh, definitely want to see how he's moving around. Uh, probably not going to be expecting a whole ton from him, um, you know, in terms of just like how, how ready is he really or if he's 100%. Uh, the depth chart came out and Wayne Steed was still listed as a starter. Again, I feel like I'm just like not really paying attention to those things because what happens on yeah. Saturdays tends to be very different to what's released on Monday Correct. early afternoon. So I'm going to be interested to see if he gets to start, how often he's going to play and stuff. But yeah, super intrigued uh, about Keontre Smith just with his ability to move around and speed and just the way he moves around with a North Carolina offense that we know what they're capable of. They're fast and, you know, they can definitely push the ball down the field. So I think having a guy that can run around like that is, is big. Jared Harrison Hunt, I think we like him, right? For Has sure. big-time potential at D-tackle. Jordan Miller, depth guy at D-tackle. Mm -hmm. To me, the question with those two guys, um, what does this mean for Leonard Taylor snaps? Yeah, right. Uh, I think he played 21 snaps. I don't – I forget off the top of my head against Virginia. Somewhere between 20 and 30. Will he play that many snaps? This week against North Carolina, will they find a way to still yeah. make it work with these guys back? Or do you think he will have his snaps reduced? 
I hope that they find a way to get him his snaps again. Like if you're going to be pounding the table about all these things, I think you can't, you can't just, you can't start deducting the amount of snaps that Leonard Taylor's getting when he's graded out. Well, you know, well enough to earn, I feel like those types of reps, like I don't want to see Jordan Miller, you know, bless his heart, take snaps from, from Leonard Taylor. You know, I just think that that's the way that defense should start trending. And so I'd like to see Leonard Taylor stay at least, you know, let's say 15 to 22 ish, like around there. Like I need, I think you need to get him on the field as much as you can. And, and in general, right. And I don't, I don't take this as Manny Diaz going out of his way to make excuses with all these injuries. Right. Um, but he did make it clear that he's never seen the volume of injuries like this in a short amount of time during his, his, you know, coaching tenure, um, wherever he's been. So my question to you, Gabby, with with this is what, you know, how much slack do we give him for these injuries? Because certainly, I mean, like, obviously, Derek King is a significant injury. Um, So how much slack do we give him moving forward for this injury situation? Or do you view it as, you know, unfortunately, this is just how football is? Yeah, it's a war of attrition, and this is why you have to always recruit. Stacking talent, David. This is why you got to stack talent because you're gonna guys are gonna get hurt. Like guys are gonna get injured. It's football. Like you know, there. I feel like you know, yeah, it sucks. Like and yeah, it's probably more than what a lot of other teams have to deal with. But you can't just be like, oh my gosh, like how did this happen? It's like, no, dude, you're playing power five football. You're playing major college football. These guys are getting hit hard, and you know people are gonna get hurt and. Sure, you know, it's unfortunate. It's a tough stroke of luck. But, I mean, again, man, it's you've been in this program for, for a while. I think you need to have that talent sort of stacked up where, you know, one guy goes down, you have another one ready to go. Um, and, unfortunately, um, this is just another way of exposing the fact that that's simply just not the case here. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, some slack, you know, it sucks. And, you know, you could always say, well, this guy was out and this guy was out and this guy's playing injured or whatever it is. But, you know. You're five weeks into the season. You got you got seven games left, you know, ahead of you, and you know there's a chance that more guys get injured. You know, it's you got you got to just kind of play it out, man, and you got to just get again the importance of stacking talent is just as evident as ever now that you know it's you're you're in this situation. To me, the the toughest thing for Manny in terms of in, like outside of Derek King, right? Because obviously that that's a huge blow. Um, if I'm Manny, I'm really frustrated and disappointed that Jake Garcia is dealing with it. So Manny said today that he is he got surgery on his ankle that he sustained against Central Connecticut, and he said he could return optimistically in November. So that's even kind of up in the air. If I'm Manny Diaz, you know, out again outside of Dear King, I'm frustrated that I don't get to show slash see what Jake Garcia looks like against yeah. power five competition. Cause you know, look, we both like Tyler Van Dyke, but I think you and I both think Jake Garcia has more potential, right? Yeah, that's fair. hundred percent might, might even be special. Um, you got to see it before you, you make those claims, but uh, Jake Garcia has that it factor to him. And I think if Manny Diaz was going to make the case that, hey, I need more time, 
it would have been an easier case if Jake Garcia was able to get into some of these games coming up and show some flashes of impressive play, right? Um, so to me, that's an interesting... I don't know if like having Jake Garcia would necessarily change wins and losses moving forward. I'm not saying that, but I, you know, just those glimpses or flashes of, of impressive talent uh, that Jake Garcia theoretically could show because you never know until you, you see it in real games. Um, if I'm Manny Diaz, I'm frustrated by that. Um, but Tyler Van Dyke, again, is, is a capable quarterback as well. Um, let's move on to... North Carolina, just early thoughts. You know, we'll get more into them in depth um, later in the week, Gabby. So just, I, I think you and I both watched them lose to Florida State 35-25. What were your first impressions on, on what you saw in that game? Yeah, man. Um, I was just not, I, I honestly just wasn't really overly impressed by them. And I don't know. I feel like for as, as bad or maybe, I mean, I can't even say ups and downs. I feel like Miami's been typically down all year. North Carolina has been like a real life, like roller coaster of just like ups and downs of just like, they are literally two teams and which one of those teams you're going to get yeah. on any given Saturday is, is a toss up because um, you know, they absolutely have playmakers that can take you, take you deep and they can hang 52 on you. And then they have these performances where they struggle to move the ball. There's just seems to be a miscommunication offensively. Uh, people will drop passes and, you know, Sam Howell makes a couple mistakes and it's just like, it, it doesn't look the same. I mean, I've watched them a few different times this year and it's just like, there's just seems to be just two different yeah. versions of the team. And th then defensively in general, um, I don't, they're not what they were at least last year against us. Um, you know, you don't have that Chaz Surratt type of middle linebacker that's sort of like holding it down. I don't think that their defensive front is pretty young, um, inexperienced, and I'm not sure they're, they get a whole ton of push. Again, Miami hasn't had a lot, a lot of success running the ball, but I'm not super sold on, you know, their ability to stop the run or anything like that. I think that – I think Miami's the big scary monster of North Carolina that Miami fans have sort of painted in their head because of the 62 to 26 or whatever it was. Last year, I, I, they're just they're just not that team. There's not two right. two separate thousand yard rushers. There's not the Deami Browns. Uh, you don't got Daz Newsome. I mean, you got Josh Downs, but after that, it seems like relatively manageable. If they weren't wearing North Carolina uniforms, I would have a different opinion on them, honestly. Okay, well, I'll come back to this point, but but I want to build on your first point in terms of like a Jekyll and Hyde thing, right? Uh, so this season, North Carolina is averaging thirty five points per game defense allowing 26 points per game, right? In their wins, they're averaging 52 points per game, allowing 21 points per game. In their losses, they're averaging 19 points per game and allowing 32 points per game. Yeah. So it's a wide variance going on with their wins and losses. Um, but okay, I want to come back to this point because it sounded like it sounded like you feel like my, well, let me ask you this. So I, yeah, North Carolina is not the same team they were last year. Um, but do you feel like Miami matches up well against this North Carolina team the way they are now? I don't, I don't think so at all. Because uh, what's the biggest thing that gives you concern? I just, I'm worried about the tag. Like, I'm not sure that Miami's going to tackle well enough. 
I thought Florida State did a pretty good job against them, honestly. Like watching that Florida State, like it was yeah. different to me. I, I'm not sure Miami's gonna tackle well enough in space. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to bring Josh Downs to the ground. He's they do a lot of I feel like a lot of like crossing patterns and stuff. I just feel like what they do well, Miami struggles with. I think that they will be able to take advantage of that in a way where we might see the inverse of what we saw against Florida State, where they could potentially have that 52 point outing. Um maybe not that 19 point outing and just like, I, I, I don't feel good about the way Miami matches up against them. At least their offense against Miami's defense. I don't feel super great about that early on. And again, you can change this later in the week, but do you, for Miami to win, do you think it is going to have to be a track meet? Like Miami, Miami is not scored in the thirties yeah. against a power five team yet. Uh, or an FBS team, I guess I should say. They will. I, I think they will have to score in the 30s to beat North Carolina this week. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that they're definitely going to have to score at least in the 30s, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to get into a shootout. I think if we, they get into like a shootout with them, it, they're going to lose. Um, I think that they're going to have to come in and, you know, I think they're going to have to run the ball really well. Uh, I think they're going to have to try to run a ton of plays on offense, to, you know, just try to keep the ball away from their offense as much as possible, uh, convert third downs, um, those types of things. I'm not sure if Miami's going to, I don't, I don't think Miami's going to be able to get into like a, a 38, 35 sort of thing, or even get into like the forties or I, I wouldn't like where Miami would, would sit in that situation. Yeah. And I'll say this. So one of the things in terms of negative stats with North Carolina, Sam Howell has been sacked as much as any quarterback in the country this year. Um, I think that's due to many different reasons. I think it's up and down play on the offensive line. I think it's the run game is not as good as it was last year. You know, you lose guys like Michael Carter and Javante Williams to the NFL. That's a big deal. Um, and then, you know, I think to the receivers outside of Josh Downs, they're, they're, tremendously talented slot receiver. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the other guys that North Carolina has at receiver can create separation. And so that is causing Sam Howe to hold onto the ball longer than he wants, which allows for sacks, right? I think in their loss to in their loss to Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, I forget which one it was, but one of those games they had eight, they, you know, they took eight sacks and then in the other game they took six. So um, if the, if the coverage, if the defensive coverage on the back end holds up, Sam, Howe's going to take some sacks? Um, and in general too, that deep threat, Sam, Howe was so good at the deep ball last yeah. year, you know, Deami Brown was a beast in that regard. The receiver who's now in the NFL as well, Howe completed 46% of his deep shots last year, which is an insane efficiency this year he is completing only 26%. So that threat on the outside, not there. The running back talent, not as good or deep as it was last year. So more is on Sam Howe's plate. Yeah. I don't think he's lesser of a player than, than we saw you know, last year or the year before. I just think the pieces around him aren't quite as good. Uh, but I do think he is still good enough to give... Miami's defense, a lot of itch issues, which, you know, in my opinion, the coverage has not been great. The pass rush 
you know, above average and uh, the tackling just abysmal. So I, I agree. Like, I don't think Miami matches up well with North Carolina, but we're going to dig into more about the Tar Heels here as, as the week progresses and uh, we'll formulate a better opinion uh, later in the week. So let's wrap it up there. Appreciate all you guys listening, uh, even through these tough times. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Until next time, take care.